never ever think that you need anything external than you to transmute that energy because when you cultivate your vortex of stillness, you walk into a room, your presence alone can clean the space. You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire new ways of thinking, evoke wild ways of being, and excavate enriched understandings about our purpose, creativity, and wellness. I'm your host, Emma Kvetna, maker and mystic, teacher and writing coach, entrepreneur and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello and welcome to Wild Creative. If there's one thing you ought to know about me, it's that I am a tea lover and a tea drinker through and through. I have tea probably about, well, at least two to three times a day. Having tea and cookies was pretty big in my family growing up, thanks to my dad's English background. So I've always loved a good cup of tea and a cookie to dunk in it. Although I do have to say within the last two years or so, I have switched to decaffeinated tea and I do admittedly have far less cookies with my tea these days, but I do still drink tea quite a lot and not just regular black tea with milk, but also herbal teas as well. So you can imagine how thrilled I was to meet my guest today, who is a ceremonial keeper of tea, which is a very old Chinese ritual. I love learning about how people from different cultures see things in the world, so it was really cool to learn about how tea is perceived in Chinese culture in terms of tea ceremonies and what this ritual does spiritually for those who partake in them. So I'm very excited for you to hear about our talk today. However, I do have to tell you a bit of a funny story about the audio quality in this episode. Because the first time that I ever talked to my guest, what actually was before this recording today took place, it was during a private call a few months ago, just as a sort of a meet and greet to get to know each other. And during that talk on Zoom, we had this really weird audio issue where my guest Liang kept getting drowned out as she was talking. She was getting drowned out by this white noise that kept coming through my speakers and just increasingly just kept getting louder and louder. And it was so bizarre. It got so loud to the point where I couldn't hear her at all. So I said to her, like through the Zoom call, I, I said, you know, I really can't hear what you're saying. And then she sort of paused and I don't know if she really like did anything to fix anything on the other end. I think it just suddenly stopped just because I had pointed it out and then it stopped. It was so bizarre. But then it came back again. So it happened twice during that call, which uh, without her touching the cords or really anything like that. So we for sure thought there was some sort of spirit playing with us that day. And then now in our talk today on this episode, we have fireworks going off in the background because my guest was in Malaysia at the time of the recording during the Lunar New Year. So there were celebrations happening right outside her window. But it's funny though, because this actually kind of played into the episode's theme today in terms of learning how to find what my guest calls your vortex of stillness, no matter what's going on around you or what's happening in your life. So it was kind of fitting in a way that we had this very external thing going on with the fireworks while we were having this very internal, deep conversation. So I feel the lesson that my guest was trying to convey actually manifested itself while we were talking. So on theme for sure. Um, but it did make the audio a little more difficult to edit. My guest's audio was a bit muffled to begin with. And then coupled with the fireworks, 
by, by the time I removed most of the fireworks and then turned down the bass and turned up the treble, which is my extent of editing audio, perhaps there was a better way to do it, but that's what I did. And I think it actually turned out pretty good, you know, as good as I could get it. It's not perfect by any means, but I do hope that you listen to the full episode because there really is such wisdom from Li Ying today. And it's so interesting hearing about the tea ceremony and the type of tea that she uses and what it is that tea spirit does for us. So yeah, I really hope you listen all the way through and you might want to use earbuds or earphones if you do in, in case maybe it's hard to hear at certain parts. Um, but yeah, it's up to you. So let's get into, let's get into things. I'll read my, my guest bio today. Li Ying is a divine energy alchemist, ceremonial keeper of Cha Dao, the way of tea, tea ceremony, and a sacred transformation mentor. She helps spiritual creative feminine leaders turn up their light, activate their dreams and live on purpose in their authentic power so that they become fully aligned with their unstoppable vision, abundance and freedom. Her work has been featured in Holistic Scotland, Harper's Bazaar, The Sun Daily, Creative Mornings Edinburgh, and MYND, as well as various podcasts. Held over transcendental tea ceremonies across the world, online and in person, her alchemical healing work has served many women in a lush, transformative space that give voice to tea leaves that are steeped in what is known as Taoist Chinese medicine di Dao, the way of the land, from trees of hundreds of thousands of years old and hailing from their own ancestral spiritual lands. Although Li Ying resides in Scotland, she joined me today from her home country via Zoom in Malaysia. Right. Hello, Li Ying. Thank you so much for joining me on Wild Creative. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I say this to all my guests, but I'm so excited to have you here. <laughs> but uh, genuinely, honestly, yes, for this one, because you, you're involved with tea ceremony. And I love tea. I've been drinking tea since I was a kid. Not quite in the way probably you do with the ceremony, <laughs> but that's why I'm so curious to learn more about it. So, But before we get to that and what you do now... Um, I always like to get a rundown from my guests on how you got to where you are today, like a bit of backstory, because I know you didn't always used to do this. No, yeah, thank you. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's really amazing. I always think about how people meet and cross paths and the way that we did is just one of those things where, you know, like, oh, you love tea and I love tea. And it's just one of those things you're just like, yes, it clicks. So thank you again. It's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful um, opportunity to be here. To answer your question, I think that is quite relevant to the way, you know, I, I mentioned like how the, 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 the encounters of people is so unique and special, you know, mm -hmm. in whatever way the relationship transpires in the end, you know, um, there is a saying in tea, uh, one chance, one encounter. And it really is such a beautiful thing to remember because truly, you know, every single time we meet, you know, if we are fortunate enough to meet again, I always say, you know, even then we are different people and everything around us may seem same, but it's different too, the way we perceive everything around us. So that just kind of allows me to kind of move into my story a bit as well, because I think mm -hmm. for the longest time, I feel like I've always felt that sort of I would call it almost like a feeling of devastation. Like I think that sense of like, you know, I, I was almost like the earliest memory I ever had was this feeling of like, I don't ever want to feel like I need to lose something 
and and yeah it always felt that way it's like i would lose this person i'll lose this person and so even growing up i remember memories of just like crying at the door of my school well, or the school gate you know and and mm-hmm. being separate from my mother and then having friends and then having had to go through the, the experience of being ostracized um mm-hmm. because i was very genuinely kind of a weird child i think because i actually have memories of just you know kind of like you know in school where you have this field and i would love to run around on my own and kind of like play like i just loved just talking to myself like and and i thought that was a really normal thing but word got out and i i mean friends didn't become well friends unfriended me in that way that children yeah. do and and i think that sort of gave me a hypersensitivity to how people reacted to the way I was like I felt like I think that was mm-hmm. the first memory perhaps perhaps when I was eight really realizing like people actually react to how I act and then I started to get very yeah. cautious about the way I would be um, yeah. and I think that that trend c- continued to control everything I did and who I was throughout my lifetime until you know I was you know I, I grew up I grew up in a very normal household, you know. My parents had a loving relationship until my dad started to go abroad to work a lot, so my dad wasn't around very much, and so my mom mm-hmm. was the, the the figure in the family who raised us. But even then, you know, she was very much working all the time. So most of the time, we were just, you know, I was raised by my grandmother, my late grandmother, yeah. a lot. So I I think I just wanted to preface that because. I definitely didn't grow up, you know, doing tea the way that I do as a ceremony keeper and working with my ancestors very mm-hmm. closely. Right. In fact, I, I did, I, I really despised, I would use that word, and I know it's a very strong word, but I really despised my, uh, everything about me, like my upbringing, my background. You know, I, I remember thinking, like, why was I even born into this family? Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like truly, you know, I think the, the very trite word is, black sheep but truly I did feel that right. way you yeah. know yeah so yeah so that that was pretty much my childhood until I started going to college I got very 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 conscious about my body and then when I got into university I started to somehow spiral into this idea that if I could control the way my body looks Mm-hmm. then I would be able to be the popular girl or, you know, people who want to be with me. My apologies for the fireworks. It's around oh, us. right. Yep. That's okay. So <laughs> I thought it was going to, I thought it was a spirit again. I know. <laughs> no. Remember the that first time so we funny. talked, that was yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Mm. I mean, I have yeah. tons of stories about that kind of thing but anyway uh, I want to ask you about so, that too but yes, carry on let's do it let's do it yeah um so yeah in in university I I, I started to develop an eating disorder and mm-hmm. from there I pretty much struggled with anorexia for about 10 years of my life you know in the midst of it I was going through a lot of other things as well you know trying to figure out um who I was and you know, I loved writing. Um, it was my passion, but I was very much discouraged from day one. So yeah, I was I was very much about you know trying to fit in, trying to create an idea of who I was that wasn't really who I really was. Mm-hmm. And so that went on for about ten years of my life, and I think it came out, it manifested in the way that my eating disorder came through. 
Um, and it wasn't until um, probably like in 2018, I discovered a thyroid uh, around my chin area. Mm-hmm. And it got me really, it was like a wake up call, really. You know, I, I realized that I didn't want to live like this. I, I, and I was terrified for my health. And so I went around, you know, I tried to get, get it diagnosed, but nobody could tell me what it was and how to deal with it. And they threw me around the department in the hospital and I actually landed at the um, the eye department and the eye doctor, I remember. And I honestly, looking back in hindsight, I always call her um, Guan Yin in disguise because she took one look at me and she was like, have you ever tried yoga and meditation? You know, and, wow. um, I think you really just need that. You know, you don't need any medication. You just need to do that. And in my head at the time, it was almost like the most terrifying thing because it meant that I needed to be still, you know, and such yeah, an irony yeah. because this is all I am about now, right? Um, yeah. And but but she was like, just look into it, just look into it, you know. And I looked into yoga uh, on YouTube and I, I found something about like hot yoga, lose tons of calories doing it or something like that. And I was like, all right, then mm-hmm. I'll give it a go. You know what? I love anything that loses calories at a time. It's just quite funny looking back now. And when I was going through, you know, when I started doing yoga, not long after that, I I experienced a full body, um, like I was feeling of like an awakening of the channels in my body. Now that I know what it is, it was chi and life force moving through mm-hmm. me again. So but at the time, all I knew was like, oh my God, I can, I can feel myself in my body for the first time. Like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. So I started to look into, you know, what yoga is really. And then I started to get into meditation and all of those things really helped me in my full recovery. And I gave my commitment to say, you know, I'm going in full on to recover. And that took about a little bit over one year to do that. At that time, I was living and working in Hong Kong. And not long after that, you know, I I, I was like a person who was meditating every night after work. I was working in media. I was a senior digital content creator. I was working at a place that I dreamt of working. It was all amazing. But I just felt like, well, if I could feel so good in my, in my meditation, why can't I feel the same way when I'm in the world? Why can't I, mm-hmm. yeah. why am I still so easily swayed by people around me or the chaos or whoever is having a bad day at the office? And so I remember one night where I was just like, I, I actually literally got down on my knees and I asked the universe, I was like, can you just give me a sign? Like, I, I feel like I'm coming towards something, but I don't know what it is. There's something here. And then not long after that, I got an invitation to a tea ceremony and that was it. You know, that was the very beginning because that was when I first heard tea spirits speak to me. And I took the step towards the unknown from there, pretty much quit my job and moved away. So yeah, that's, wow, that's, that's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the gist. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And thanks for touching back on your childhood too, because that really does set kind of the tone a lot of the times for how we go into our adult life um Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you yeah like you were talking about um that you didn't want to have to lose something and so i just thought of sacrifice like sacrificing things and i could see there would be some grief with that and like confusion too probably as a kid and like not understanding how you why are you not fitting in we can all relate to that (laughs) unfortunately but yeah kids can bully and yeah for sure um and and it's and then when you got older i i was noticing it sounded like you were very concerned with more external 
like validations yep. or like looking outward instead of like looking Absolutely. inward to yourself. Yeah, into that into that stillness. So when we first talked, you did mention about this vortex of stillness before. So can you explain a little more like what exactly is that and how how does one know when one has achieved it or is in it? Mm, I love that question. Um, yeah. Yes. So that is exactly uh, my passion and my devotion to this work, you know, to help women to embody the vortex of stillness. I think that was what I, sh I shared with you when we first met. Mm -hmm. And that vortex of stillness, you know, when we dive into the work, you know, I'll start to, to call it the Tao. And the Tao itself is cosmic law made manifest in this dimension. It is in everything. It's in nature. It is in the, the, the chair that I'm sitting on. It's in the lights. It's in in the cupboards is in, in everything, in the food that we, we ingest. And mm -hmm. sometimes when we are separate from these realizations or remembrance, as I call it, we tend to feel very alone. And I, I think that stillness is essential for anyone who actually wants to truly, truly live on purpose and be in mm -hmm. their own authentic power. And I mean it in a way where exactly what you said, you know, we're not dependent on what's external to us to decide for mm -hmm. us, you know, who we are, how we're going to be. And, and I know it takes, you know, sometimes people think that, you know, what if I'm being selfish when I do things that, you know, are true to me and not true, true to them. And so it's a delicate balance. And so it's love, it's so powerful when you actually come into that vortex of stillness because when you're feeling it when you're in that frequency you know that what is true what is ever true in our lives ever is love and when we harness and cultivate that feeling more and more daily all the time we realize we know that you know it, you're not selfish at all to do it so it's a it's more like an embodiment rather than just intellectually understanding the concept of mm -hmm. stillness right so how what how could one practice getting into the stillness obviously one way would be to work with you but like is is meditation uh it sounds like meditation is a big part of it so in my world i would absolutely say that tea underpins everything that we, we do in the work that we do um, okay. And I think, like you said, if you want to go deep into this, absolutely, you know, I would love to speak with anyone who's resonating with it. But you can absolutely start yeah. on your own. Absolutely. You can yeah. literally just sit with your tea and whether it's a mug or a bowl or a cup, whatever it is, you know, and just hold it with both of your hands and have that moment to yourself. And I think even just for 30 minutes, stillness will come in because it is who you are it is in you it rises up in you when you allow it so i think a lot of times i would say this so much to my clients is that we what we're doing here is that we're allowing what is true to show up we, we we're not caught in the hustle we're not caught in the chaos of what other people want from us we're just being here and we're just allowing and when you remember it we, we start to cultivate it make it bigger so that our energy field that is radiating from here is bigger than what's mm -hmm. coming out towards us, you know? Yeah. So that's illness that I'm speaking. Yeah. As you were saying that, I just got a feeling like I really need to do that. 
I really want to do that. <laughs> um, sit with my tea, which is funny because I have tea like two or three times every day. Like I love tea, but I just have ne never thought of it in that way before. Like just sitting with my tea. I always get the tea when I'm going to work or when I'm going to go sit and do something else. Or if I'm going on a walk, I bring them, you know, a thermos with me. But yeah, the idea of like sitting just with the tea itself. Yeah, because you, you know, if, I'm so sorry about the fireworks. It's just incredible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> it's like the 4th of July, right? Like, I don't know what it is. I know, yeah. Well, you know what? This is stillness that we're going to cultivate within us. And, um, yes, exactly. We're going to be here and be present. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I was going to say, you know, one thing about tea, the magic that happens when we're in a tea ceremony happens because we brought ourselves there. You know, our presence mm -hmm. is truly, you know, our spirit enlivening the space. You know, I, I, I always share, you know, rituals are rituals, but if rituals mm -hmm. are carried out without any meaning or without any spirit, which you bring as a being that's involved in the ritual, right. then there is really no meaning to it. There is no lineage anymore. There's no such thing as traditional culture. So tea has been with us for a long time. What we often bring into the space is the, the spirit of tea that belongs to the forest, that belongs to the mm -hmm. times on the mountains before human beings even started to walk this earth. This is the tea, the story of tea that we, we want to go back to. And so when you speak about, you know, being with tea the way that you do now, you know, that is, uh, that is, you know, I just want to say there's nothing wrong with it because tea spirit she is very benevolent. She is a mother. She's absolutely there for us. And so the way you have her is absolutely the, the right thing for you in the moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, so speaking of tea spirit and tea magic, because this I'm new to tea ceremony in general, and you've already talked a little bit about it, but can you go into it a bit more in terms of like, is it, are there many tea spirits or is tea just the one spirit that is everywhere that we kind of connect with her through? Yeah, like, I'm just curious. And is it, is tea spirit different than quote, ghost spirits? Like, like what, um, oh, what we kind of experienced the other the other time we talked with that disturbance we had in our, in our yeah. Zoom call. Yeah, what's your <laughs> thoughts on all those types of spirits? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so it's interesting that you asked the question. I love it because when, when we talk about alchemy, we talk about uh, something called the five spirits. And ghost itself is actually a different writing in, in, in Chinese. So uh, while I speak about alchemy, I'm talking specifically about Taoist alchemy. And so whenever we talk about spirit is it's more like the the shen spirit where it's the the, the formlessness, the light mm -hmm. that comes in that brightens our eyes and, and, and enlivens us. So there's always this um we begin well this it's almost like saying, you know, we have a vessel that we call a body, but if there's no spirit, then it's just a vessel. It's just an empty vessel. It's it's just an empty house in that sense. Mm -hmm. So that's why oh it gives me the chills just saying this good chills but like it's like you know <laughs> how can we put the spirit back into our lives mm. it's also about how can we enliven our bodies so that is the work that we, we truly do in the sacred ceremony where it's basically designed specifically 
to start to move the chi in the body with the help of tea. So when you ask if Tisa is like many of them, to me, yeah. um, she's always the one in the thing. She's very constant. So to me, it's for like one version of her. But mm-hmm. you know what she has done is you know so so much. She's opened doors for me to reconnect with my ancestors. So I work with my ancestors as well when I'm doing the work that I have to do with my clients and with myself. And I think, you know, when I speak about her, it's a very specific feeling. It's like a it's like a guardian who who holds up the land for us when we are walking through a very dark passage to the unknown. When you were talking about it, it kind of made me think of this idea of calling back our spirit in like into mm-hmm. our into our vessel, as you said, through tea and stillness. Yeah. Is that kind of the gist of yeah. That's right, because she has her own chi, right? She's got a beautiful chi that starts to open up the channels in our body. And, and in Taoist alchemy, you know, we always say, like, if the channels are not open, if the energy is not flowing, then healing can't happen. So our focus is not about healing or fixing anything. It's more about, like, we all know that we are a whole being. You know, we, you know, when we're never, we've never been less than worthy because of how we look or what we look or, you know, what we're born with and things like that. All the things that we've created in this society to make us feel less, right? And so that, that starting point changes everything because now we're not going in and saying, I'm going to fix you, but rather it's about you remembering. And so this path actually requires your openness to the transformation. It requires you to go deep. Actually, like I call it like involution for evolution because you have to go in to come out. Oh, I like that. Mm. Yeah, that's all about going inward. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to touch on the chi uh, life force a little bit because I have heard of chi before and I, I understand it as like the life force energy uh, that mm-hmm. we all have. Mm-hmm. So what can you say what can you tell us more about uh chi chi energy and and how does how like how it works through the the channels of your body and and your relationship to chi now to begin with i think i would like to say we are all made of energy and so when we start to compress from that formlessness that energy that we speak of that that high frequency starts to come into density so it becomes your organs it becomes your cells like Every part of our body is created by a different vibrational frequency. So all these things are something vibrating at a different frequency and created something that is our body, organs, eyes, whatever. So when we talk about chi, it's something that we all have. We, we've been, we've, we are born with it and we can also uh, supplement and you know, improve it out with something external. So tea, in one way, when we speak about qi, we have to speak about the shen as well, the spirit. Because, you know, without shen, like I said, you know, we'd just be an empty vessel. And so qi is actually known as a shen tonic. So when we when we ingest tea and we, we have tea, just not even ceremonially, just drinking tea, you know, she, she naturally has that ability to brighten your eyes. And in alchemy, they say when the eyes are bright again, the spirit is back home. It's home, and in that in that way, in, in the heat of the tea, 
when we drink her, it starts to open up the qi and they go to very specific places depending on what kind of tea uh, you're drinking. So the tea I'm speaking about specifically here, I just want to uh, mention it, is what we know of in scientific term, Camellia sinensis. So people always ask me, like, what about herbal teas? I, I, I wouldn't be able to speak to that because that's not what I work with. Mm -hmm. um, I do know because I live in Scotland and I know a lot of women, uh, beautiful medicine women who use herbs. But for me specifically, I use ceremonial Greek tea that I call living tea. And what it means is that they come from lands that truly have a symbiotic relationship with the ecosystem. So they are pesticide-free, fertilizer-free, because you want to have the bugs biting the leaves and you want to have that minerals of the mountains and everything in the leaf because every tree is the expression of the environment. And so the leaf itself, quite remarkably, carries the entire DNA of the tree in one single leaf. So it's incredible what you're drinking in. You're literally yeah. bringing everything that you brought through the roots, from the branches that played with the clouds, the leaves that absorb the moonlight, the sunlight, and the sunlight. So when you start to connect with that, we bring back the shamans who carry tea leaves in their medicine pouches because these are people who weren't at one with nature. There's no separation. They don't say things like, well, I need some nature. I'm going to go out and have a walk. They don't say things like that. They are just nature, right? So when we have a ceremony in the lineage that I carry, we, we are honoring that time when the shamans were using leaves literally and just putting them into bowls and boiling them. That's it. That was it because leaves were so pure at the time. And then obviously with evolution and you know, everything that's happened, you know, that they, they start to have teapots and things like that. And then we all know that from the hands of the shamans, it went into the hands of the sages who meditated on mountaintops and then from there the Zen monks, or as they were used to know, uh, they were known back then, uh, Chan in, in China. They started to discover the, the power of non-verbal transmissions that he had. Because Zen ultimately is not uh, not dogmatic, right? So they needed ways to transmit the teachings without words, because words can be, you know, with the filter of words. Sometimes they, it's filtered by the mind of the teacher. So they wanted something that hadn't, they couldn't do that. So tea was used widely. They would plant tea bushes around the temple, tea trees around the temple, and Eventually, they started to create all these beautiful ceremonies, inviting officials and emperors and, you know, the elites. Yeah. They started to bring that back to their, literally, their back garden with the tea huts. And that was the, that imminently happened in Japan as well. And that is what we know of as the Japanese tea ceremony schools these days, right? They have so many. And that's another evolution. And then obviously, it opened up to the world and Europe, it came in, yeah. and there were all these wars. And so tea has been yeah. around for a long time. <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it's one of so those ancient... So we're drinking it a lot, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like an ancient elixir. It's, it's always been there, yeah. I really love this because uh, um, it's when you were talking about the tea leaves and like the minerals and stuff that they bring in, made me think that like it's kind of like you're you're drinking the earth or like drinking the cosmos yeah. in a sense yeah. yeah which is such exactly. a cool image yeah 
I love that. Exactly. So, um, and I missed what you said that exact tea is that you use. Did you say ceremonial green, green tea? Sorry, it's ceremonial great tea, as I call them, but I usually call them living tea because, okay. well, firstly, that was what my teacher said. And I love it because it literally, the reason why he said that, I would say, is because certified organic tea may not be, you know, quote unquote, living because they might still use, you know, organic pesticides and organic fertilizers, right? So, yeah. And also grown in plantations that are irrigated. And then so that means that, you know, lots of bugs would be decimated and then the, the soil itself would be, you know, it, it wouldn't be in the healthiest phase, you know. And what happens then in the end is that the, the, the farmers have to move away from the soil because the soil will be eventually dead in less than 10 years. So, you know, what we're doing here when we start drinking living tea is so much more than just having a beautiful life built on the, uh, the way of tea it's also you know bringing back you know giving back to nature giving back to mother earth for what we can do now you know it's one of the world's biggest commodities for sure so i'm curious how do you obtain that type of tea do you purchase it somewhere personally or do you gather the materials yourself like how do you get it oh, that would be the ultimate dream actually i'm definitely working towards that but I do yeah. have some trusted vendors and, you know, unfortunately, I still have, I, I honestly, I can count that in like one, one hand, which is quite unfortunate. But the, the, the hope is to be able to, to spread the, 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 the teachings and it's difficult sometimes because even my teacher Lamin says, you know, sometimes because firstly, it's, it's a lot more pricey because of, you know, everything's made by hand, you know, they have to go up the trees to pluck the leaves and, it's artisan chip and it's a secret in the family that gets inherited, you know, the way they process it. So I get that, you know, not everyone can really truly afford that, but it's good to have, you know, questions. And, you know, when you walk into a vendor's store and, and if you're able to ask them, like, you know, can, can I see a photo of how the tea plantation looks like? Or is it from a tea forest? Which is great. The best thing is like, you know, ancient old growth trees right mm -hmm. but most of the mm -hmm. time the pictures we see are plantations with uniform bushes and that means usually they took a cutting out of the original tree and planted it and then they would do all kinds of things to ensure that they get a specific amount of yield and taste mm -hmm. it's a bit synthetic mm. and also i don't know it, it's just very sad you know yeah. because like i said it spoils the soil and eventually and also just thinking about the pesticides the way you know that when when rain comes and it pours all the way downhill and goes into everything else the people who are most affected really are the farmers you know so it, we can't really fault it all on them either yeah. yeah so it's a big conversation yeah wow yeah it would be nice as you said if we had more vendors that you know had that more natural tea the tea forest as yeah. you said that would be so cool i would probably I would definitely buy that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so when you, so much education is needed. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And it's something I never really thought about before is even as a tea drinker. Right. But yeah, it's, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, so when you're working with clients then, and like, I assume you can do tea, you do tea ceremonies virtually too. Like if the client just brings their own tea. Oh, a hundred percent. 
online right now. Yeah. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Makes sense. So, yeah. um, if they don't have access to like that really natural uh, tea from the tea forest, they can just use any kind of tea or, or their favorite tea. Or what do you recommend? So, yeah. when I first started doing tea ceremonies, I definitely was one to say, you know, if you don't have the tea, you can absolutely just take whatever tea you have or the ones that you love and join me in the ceremony. But now that my business has kind of expanded and I've grown, I've been able to carry some tea sets. So I would just pick some tea leaves and then put them to a set that they can buy it's worldwide shipping. So they'll get three kinds of tea in it and then they could just try and, and, and feel into it. You know, there's a subscription for it as well. And I think it was a very conscious decision for me to do that because, and also, by the way, if they, they don't want to opt into that set, I would always be happy to direct them to my trusted vendors. It's not a secret at all. Right. You know, my, my teacher has, you know, he sells tea like that. Mm -hmm. So I only recommend people that I've actually, you know, bought tea from. But I think, like I said, it was a conscious decision to actually tell my clients and they work with me extensively, so they actually get the, the tea set delivered to them as part of the program. Cool. But if you're having a one-off ceremony with me, I would also, you know, if you book in a private tea ceremony, for example, I would just send it out to you. Because I was actually visited by Tea Spirit very, very specifically, telling me to really just stop telling people to drink any tea. Because this is not any tea, and mm -hmm. you have to start speaking a lot more vocally about why living tea and and that's why mm. that 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 was quite a moment yeah she she, <laughs> so, came, she yeah. yeah she she let you know she let you know what's up with that a little bit of a definitely, request there definitely. Yeah. i love that living tea that's really cool yeah yep. well let's yeah. let's talk a bit more about spirits then uh more of the ghostly kind because uh, we mentioned earlier that you, well, you mentioned earlier that you've had got lots of stories with regards to that. So yeah, what's your experience with spirits in that regard? And have you, like, are you one of those people who as a kid used to see spirits or connect to spirits or was it more when you're older or yeah? I don't think I did, to be honest. Yeah. And and I'll just also clarify, like, you know, um, I, the experiences I have usually are like just friendly spirits kind of like having a little bit of fun with me. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's not like the scary, you know, ring type of ghosts. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's fine. Um, but if you are speaking about ghosts, um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I just befriend most spirits. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was a child, it's funny now that you mention it, my memories are coming back. <laughs> um, and I haven't actually thought of them for a while. That's interesting. Hmm. Um, I loved ghost stories. I loved it. You know, I, I, I have a voracious appetite for all the ghost novels like R.L. Stein and things like that. I just buy all of them. I don't know if you even know that. That's probably like old hmm. school. <laughs> but other than that, you know, um, I definitely have had some really strange encounters that I kind of been understand but mm -hmm. in hindsight i believe that i did astral travel quite a fair bit yeah and even with what i said to you like the other day when we had our first call it's absolutely one of those things that they like to do but i wouldn't say that they're evil or anything and no and i, I know there was this incident it, it's quite funny because you know it's just lots of energy going through as well you know yeah. so i i one of the big thing i i talk a lot about is Going back to what I said at the beginning, the sense of devastation about losing someone 
or you know things changing was a big thing for me. I remember growing up saying like I want things to ever change, and I I always had this feeling like there is it's almost like there's something beyond humans、mm-hmm. you know being around. But it's like now that I'm doing what I do as a ceremony keeper, and I I just I'm actually just with them all the time.、Mm-hmm. Actually, actually, just being in ceremony means to me now just really communing. Yeah. Like, what do you want to tell me today? What What do I have to know? Like, and it's just one of those things, and it helps me so much in my work because it's like they say, let spirit lead. And and when I'm doing the work with my clients, I don't go in there and you know usually someone will come in and they will say you know I I feel this, I feel that, I think I need to work on this, blah blah blah. But for me right now, I know better than. Just go there, you know. I I would just ask spirit to show me where it is, and it always always takes me to a place where, you know, usually it's unexpected. And that's the beauty of alchemy because we're open, we're very open. And tea, one of the virtues of tea is really, you know, opening yourself up to the unknown, the beginner's mind. So. I I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like it's making me think that. Like maybe what's because you're so open energetically with with the chi,、uh, the chi energy,、mm. the life force, and then doing tea ceremonies.、Um, I could see how that would kind of like attract other energies, like other spiritual、mm. spirits. I love what you what you、yeah. said. So usually the women that I work with, they are they are like either psychic or you know they are they they identify as a witch or mystic、mm-hmm. or you know they they are into the spiritual. Development, yes,、uh, kind of things, right? So, the reason why they come in is because they are so developed up here in the third eye and the crown、mm-hmm. that they are not so developed below here, the solar plexus especially,、yeah. and you know that also means the heart is closed in some ways because obviously、right. we do all we all do that as a protective mechanism.、Mm-hmm. So what happens is that we are not grounded, we're not anchored, right? So what that means. Is that in this dimension, it manifests as like I know I am abundance. I know I I can manifest anything I want, but I just can't do it. Or like I、yeah. intellectually know everything. I've been through all the programs and the courses, but I still can't live the way I want to live. I still can't speak my truth. Why? So that's、mm-hmm. the reason why they come in. They're drawn to the vortex of stillness. And what you said, I want to share this very because I feel like it's so important. And I say this over and over again in all my master classes、mm-hmm. is that you are the transmuting presence. So if you are walking into a place where you know there are not so celebrous spirits around、yeah. or energy, let's just say energy, right? People can feel it. It's like there's some kind of energy, or even like human beings who are, who are a bit with that toxic energy,、yeah. you feel it. As an empath, but never ever ever think that you need anything external than you to transmute that presence, to transmute that energy. Because when you cultivate your vortex of stillness, you walk into a room, your presence alone can clean the space.、Mm-hmm. That is the work that we do. That is the vortex of stillness we're talking about. So, the work we do is to slowly embody that. But the minute you anchor into the vortex of stillness, which we do through tea. We do through ancestral wisdom, Taoist alchemy, and also something called bioenergetic healing, where basically is the integration of the mind, body, and spirit through breath. You are already becoming 
a presence that's emanating a bigger energy field. So, you know, like this beautiful story I want to share is like, I remember my tea teacher, he used to have this beautiful hut in a, a tea house. Let's just call it, it's not really a real hut, but like he lived there for many years. Mm-hmm. And every day they would do Zen meditation, they would have tea ceremony. So generally speaking, you can imagine spiritual energy is quite high, right? Yeah. They've cultivated a beautiful space of energy that just feels so calm when you walk in. So when a person was not very discerning, just kind of goes back into that space, they would feel something like, oh, I'm blanketed by some kind of beautiful, iridescent, loving energy. So when his previous tenant was about to pass away, he actually requested to go back into that space and go over to the other realm Mm -hmm. peacefully because he knew that all the meditation and all those will be able to be that energy field so high in that space that will help him to pass on into, you know, the other realm peacefully. Yeah. So if we can cultivate that energy field, you wherever you go, it's like it's like the law of attraction. Yeah. You don't really feel the ghosts as we call it. And also interestingly in alchemy, the Chinese word ghost, you know, it's really people who cannot who remain so attached to the earthly material things that they can't leave. In fact, they don't even know that they are dead. Mm-hmm. And that's why they are here. And that is actually in one of our organs as well. It's somewhere here, the spirit is in us. So we want to be able to be the transmitting life force itself. And that's the work. That's really the work that we're doing. I really yeah. loved all of that, what you were saying. And I got this image of kind of like a cyclical nature of like the the like yeah. energy flowing through us and as you and you mentioned something about bio bioenergetic engineering yeah and so it's i like how uh, you, bioenergetic healing healing yeah. yes yeah and i i like how you like the body plays a big role in it too it's because like with metaphysical type of things it could be very yeah. non-physically focused but like our body is very connected to it all as well you are absolutely on point actually what you're seeing, the cyclical thing, is exactly the toric field. And, you know, the body is the gateway. So when cosmic light is coming through, you know, this is something we have, we go deep into the work that we do uh, in the immersions. Um, when it comes in, we want to be a, a, as clean as possible, a gateway to allow the light in. So what we call wobble and little things that kind of, you know, the little gunk in our energy field mm-hmm. are like our emotions that were not processed, things that we suppressed, uh, mm-hmm. memories, traumas that we don't want to look into. Those things create a little wobble in the gateway. So the gateway gets smaller and smaller. So you only allow this much to go in. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is exactly on point because we want to allow this cycling to happen as pristine as possible mm-hmm. otherwise you know you kind of get stuck here and you kind of get stuck there everything is external yeah so the, the the fun part of this work is you don't have to change anything external to mm-hmm. change our circumstances what they're investing in is themselves purely and i speak from the energetic point as well you know working on their own energy and it, transformation happens very quickly because when we work with energy, we're working with the speed of light, literally. And so what, what we call depression, what we call trauma and all those things, 
they start to get unstuck very quickly because mm-hmm. we're getting back in here. And we're not creating stories about like, oh, when I was five years old, this happened and all of those kind of things. It's, it's not needed. It's good to have, but it doesn't have to happen for you to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's incredible. It's magical. And, and you know, in the scariest times, tea is there to really guide you and be your guardian. And it's so beautiful because she does the work that I can't do because this is what requires nonverbal moments, like nonverbal alchemy. Mm-hmm. And I always say that I'm just holding space for her spirit to come through. And time and time again, women would just say to me, like, I heard her speak to me. I have all these beautiful women just speaking about things that I don't, I can't do, you know, in my human <laughs> yeah. capacity. Right. So I love working with T. I just am so honored she chose me to be a keeper, you know, of this medicine. As when you were talking earlier about the hut that you were mentioning, that your was it your teacher who had this this space? Yeah. yeah. And it kind of made me feel like with everything you were just saying now as well that like so the hut was clearly a sacred space. It was had that kind of Zen mm. healing feel. But then with what you're saying that we do with the flow and and our bodies and stuff, it's also kind of like our we are the sacred space as well. And we can take that sacred space Absolutely. wherever we go because wherever we go, there we are, <laughs> right? Like, exactly. so yeah. exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, you're so on point. I love that's that. it. That's it. And the more you're able to treat everything about you sacred, yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, miracles happen. Magic is all around you. You see the extraordinary and the ordinary. Like women always ask, like, how do you live that way? How do you yeah. see the extraordinary in the ordinary? Like. You know what? It's that thing you said. Like, if you start to treat tea as a sacred moment, if you start to treat the the the, the action of washing the dishes as something sacred, even for example, yeah, yeah. It, your life starts to change mm-hmm. because that's all there is to living. To be honest, if you think about it, great to have fireworks, <laughs> but we also want to appreciate the moments when there are no fireworks. When things are very subtle, and what you're doing is actually you're cultivating your ability to sense and feel subtle energies in you as well. And so, for people who are interested in, you know, opening their third eye and connecting with divine consciousness, that is essential. It has to happen. There has to be a heart coherence for us to to feel anything beyond living as a human being. Yeah, it's. It sounds like. If I had to summarize kind of like what tea ceremony does, it sounds like it's it's all about acknowledging that just the raw existence of you. It, because yeah. the stillness it's is... It's like that saying, one chance, one encounter, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like we're only just starting to like scratch the surface of things and we could probably talk <laughs> I forever. Go forever. I honestly, yeah, like, oh, we're really getting into it now, but it's been an hour, which is crazy. Um, and my episodes are only an hour, so I know. So I think that I think that's a great spot to end on. Part two. Yeah, I think I'll have to have you back for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so before you go, um, where can people find you online if they want to connect more, and like, what's the best way for people to reach out? And do you have any offers or anything Ooh. coming up? Yeah. Yes, um, I can be found on social media. Uh, Wednesday Waters speak. Um, that's across Facebook, uh, TikTok, mm-hmm. Instagram, and I have a website also, whenstillwaterspeak.com. 
in one word. Okay. And yeah, I do have immersion. So I work with private clients one-to-one and also in a group. There is a one-year mentorship, you know, that gets full access to all my programs and masterclasses. If this is something you really want to embody and walk with me for one year, that's a great place mm-hmm. to start. But you can also work with me in you know, a private way, uh, whether it's three months or four months, or joining a free mastermind, um, or sorry, free masterclass, uh, which is held usually in my free Facebook group called the Siren Goddess Collective. Mm-hmm. So yeah, lots of places to start. You know, I, I love giving everyone an option, you know, whether you're drawn into this world by tea mm-hmm. or not, you just want to start learning how to live on purpose as well. It's all good. Yeah. It's, it's all there for you. So yeah. just reach out and awesome. I'll direct you to the right place. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That sounds great. I'll put all those links in the show notes below. Um, and my final question that I ask all my guests is what advice can you give our listeners today for living a wild creative life? Oh my gosh. <laughs> living a wild creative life. Everything I love about that. I love it. Find your authentic self. Mm-hmm. And when I say find, I really just mean allow that authentic self to rise mm-hmm. because we we are all here to live a wildly creative life, all of us, no exceptions. Yes. No matter how old you are, who you are, where you've been, mm-hmm. um, it's your birthright. So oh, I, I just want to say that. Yes. Ooh, I love that. That's perfect. Yes. I totally agree with that. Well, thank you so much, Liying, for joining us. And thank you to the fireworks that were there as well. <laughs> really added an interesting level. Yeah. <laughs> I so. know. It's so relevant. Yeah, it really, really was. Have it in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's so funny. But yes, thank you so much for joining me and sharing all of your wisdom. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation today with Li Ying. I hope you learned something new today and that maybe you'll take a moment to sit with a hot cup of tea and find your own vortex of stillness throughout the day, calling your spirit back to you. If you'd like to connect with Li Ying online, all the links are below in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast overall, please do rate and review. Don't forget to subscribe and follow, share. I also have a Patreon for the show if you'd like to support it that way. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for future episodes, please email me at emmacavetna at gmail.com. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative. Stay creative.